Bible. All right. Can we flip open our Bibles to James 3, uh, verse 1 through 12, and say amen when we're there? Amen. Peggy's going to say amen when we're there. <laughs> awesome. You guys are quick. All right, let's open up in prayer. Wait till you guys get there. Lord, we are so blessed to be in here in this building with air conditioning, like Patrick said, Lord. Let the youth be safe. Let them be fed spiritually, Lord. Let them come back rejuvenated, recharged, and on fire for you. Lord, I pray that some will be saved for the very first time. Lord, we know that nothing is impossible for you, Lord, because you do the impossible. Lord, we come here today. And we're expecting big things to happen because you are such a big, loving, and powerful God. Lord, will you speak through me, Lord? And will you get all the glory, honor, and praise? Lord, we come before you today and we leave everything, our problems, our junk that we go through, and we give it to you, Lord. We trust you, even though this life is hard and challenging at times. We give you all of our problems. And thank you for another day of life here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I want to talk about what we struggle with, something we all struggle with, and that's what comes from our mouths. That's what comes from our mouths. Um, A little note, did you know the average person spends 20% of their time talking or communicating? Or as my parents and my wife says, for me, 50%, since I'm called greeter boy. The average male spends 7,000 words. They say 7,000 words a day. The average female says 20,000 words a day. This is why they say three times. I know from my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, and all you ladies here can attest to this. This is why. Your brain never goes off. You guys talk to yourselves three times as much as us men do. It could be midnight, and you guys are thinking about doing laundry the next day. It's like, babe, just go to sleep. You're keeping me up. Have a full conversation with yourself. Or how about when you guys go shopping, and you're like, oh, should I buy this? Should I not? It's like, you guys are crazy, man. Just buy it or don't. You guys are so different than us men, but so thankful for you ladies, because you guys put us in our places, right? You guys do. Words are important, though. Some words are encouraging, like, Alan, great job with sports, or, you know, um, I love you. Just something so simple like that could be so impactful and encouraging. But then there's painful words. Alan, I'm disappointed in you. When you're younger, you don't even care about making your parents upset. But when you hear the words, I'm discouraged by you, and that you have, oh, man, disobeyed your parents is an awful, awful thing. Um, Now that we've turned our Bibles open to James 3, I'm going to read this to you guys. It says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never in fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. 
Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You guys, I will use myself as an example of having a bad tongue. I don't know about you guys, but recently, it was probably several months ago, I went with Britt to the DMV, and I'm just going to say it, I think the DMV is straight from the devil. I hate that place. It doesn't matter if you make an appointment. I was there for at least an hour and a half. It's like, can I just take my own picture and send it to you in an email? I have to be here for an hour and be here with a bunch of sardines. It's like, come on, people. The people who work there. You just, it's crazy. Other things where I have to hold my tongue is at the grocery store. Or as Brittany calls it, the market. Um, when we are at the market slash grocery store, there would be so many times that people think that I just know what they're saying and they don't say excuse me, but they expect me to move. And I say things such as, God gave you a mouth for a reason. Now use it and say excuse me. And Grit gets so embarrassed, but I have to say it. People have to learn. You might be here today. I don't know your problem. You might be here today saying, I don't curse. I don't say the F word, S word, Z words, all these bad languages. But I'm not talking about just those. I'm talking about bad about others. We're talking bad about others. Brothers and sisters in Christ we talk about. How about saying I hate you towards someone? Man, there were so many times when I was in trouble that I'd slam the door and I'd be like, man, mom and dad, I hate you guys. I hate you guys. But I would never let them hear it. I would never let you guys hear it. No way. Because I knew I would get spanking a lot more than that. Um, how about judging the homeless when you don't know their story whatsoever? You don't know what they've gone through. There was one time that we met a homeless guy who was at a gas station. He was cleaning our uh, mirrors at the car, with, uh, for our car, excuse me. And he told us his whole story, and I'll never forget, this was probably seven or eight years ago, he's like, you can call me Green Mile. He was a Christian guy, he knew the Bible left and right, and he was just on fire for the Lord, and yet we judge without knowing people's stories so many times. We judge people. How about gossiping? Oh, you ladies love the cheesme, as it says in Spanish. Huh? You guys love the gossip. You guys love drama a lot of times. Us men, we get involved with it too. Like, tell us more, tell us more. And how about not saying loving and godly things about people? 
We hurt people with our words a lot of times. Sometimes, without even knowing what we're doing, what we're saying, we hurt people with our words, with our language. We have to slow down before we say something, look in the mirror in ourselves and ask God how he could change me and you from saying the wrong things, taming this few-ounce tongue, and allow us to say the right godly things. Even that includes when I'm at the DMV and at the grocery store and those who are rude to me at the store and don't say, excuse me. Uh, now, first in your notes is this. It's um, God wants us to be bright stars in a dark and fallen world. You guys have seen what the world's coming to. So many people get scared. But man, I get encouraged, not, not for the scary things that are happening, but I know that it means Jesus is coming soon. And that means I get to go to heaven with my heavenly Father sooner than later. I can't wait for that day because I know where I'm going. God wants to use our tongues to be used to bring others closer to Christ. Not further, but closer to Christ. Because I'm telling you here today, if non-believers see us, love on them, talk to them how we should talk to them, with kind words, encouraging words, not judgmental words, because trust me, including myself, we're in the judgmental business. But kind words. It might be impactful Enough to let them know that they are loved by Jesus. A lot of us put ourselves down. A lot of us think we're not worthy enough for Christ. I believe a lot of it has to do with social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TV, and forgetting, forgetting this, that God made us fearfully and wonderfully made in the likeness and image of Him. As it says in Psalm 139, 13-14, It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Jesus took time on us. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, the models that you may see on TV or uh, Facebook or whatever the case may be, and you're like, I want to look like them. Man, guess what? They still have wrinkles. They still have cellulite. But they have people they can afford to take it away. It takes hours and hours of editing to remove it to look the way they do. They have wrinkle carrying, all these different things to cover up cellulite, to cover up the wrinkles in our faces, whatever the case may be. But second in your notes is this, which is very important. Because so many times we value our outward appearance instead of our inward appearance for our Lord and Savior so much more so many times. So second in your notes, it's kind of a long one. It's when we care more about what we look like on the outside than what we look like on the inside. Our insides get ugly and our hearts become black and dark as coal. We care so much about our outward appearance, we forget about our inward appearance and our walk with Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. There's so many things out there, as I named about the wrinkle cream, um, you know, implants for certain body parts and all these different things. But there's nothing to change our heart except for transformation because the Holy Spirit has to get a grip of our heart. Right now, I I can't say my tongue on this one either, so I have to just say it because I'm real about this. So the Kardashians are huge right now. 
But in my personal opinion, yes, they're a bunch of lunatics, man. They are loony. One used to be a guy, now's a girl. You you know what I'm saying? Like one doesn't know what he she wants to be. On top of that, we look up to these people. They can't even talk right. They're so uneducated. The way they talk, the things that come out of the mouth, the things they say. And we look up to these people. It's a joke. We're losing ourselves and we're allowing society to tell us what's right and what's wrong and who to love, what to look like, instead of letting the word of God to tell us what is right and what is wrong. First Peter 3, 3-4 says it best. It says, your beauty should not come from your outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Next in your notes is you are beautiful just the way you are. You men here, you are handsome just the way God created you. Women, you are beautiful just the way that God created you. He made you beautiful. He made you fearfully and wonderfully made. Us men, us husbands, spouses, boyfriends, we need to make sure that we tell our spouses, our girlfriends, how beautiful they are. Because society has told them that they're not. And vice versa. Wives tell the husbands that they look good today. Since God has opened many doors in ministry, especially since 2016, I have had a lot of compliments, but on the second hand, I'm sharing this with you because it talks about it in verse 1. I've had a lot of cruel, evil, and judgmental things spoken my way about me, about ministry. But as a speaker for the Lord, you're going to be attacked more because the devil wants to see God's name to be not, God's name not to be praised. But I'm going to keep sharing until the day God calls me home to heaven. And most importantly, we must live for him all the days of our lives. All the days of our lives. What James is doing here in the first verses um, that I just read, he's challenging us Christians to express ourselves carefully in a godly manner, as sisters and brothers made in the image of God, and to do so in a way we do not hurt one another. Some people are good with talking and say the sweet things, and others say what they are thinking and have no filter and bad things only come out of their mouths. That's why we have to think before we speak. I know when I was a lot younger, I would just say what was in my mind, and it wasn't good (laughs) at all. And I remember my sis and bro always saying, man, Alan, you have no filter whatsoever. Some people are good, like I said, great with talking. What's so interesting, though, about the tongue, it's a muscle. Did you know it's a muscle that gets more exercise than any other muscle that we have in our body? Medically, it's only a few ounces. The nerves around it allows us to chew, to swallow food, to drink, and, of course, to say words. Medically, it's only a few ounces. Our tongue is a great gift, a huge gift. That's so honoring, a blessing from the Lord above, as we are made in the image of God who speaks life and words into us so we can communicate with him and with one another. When we go to the doctors, you know what they always make us do? They always make us stick out our tongue and go, ah. 
Sorry about that. Are you guys in the front row? I didn't brush my teeth this morning. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Testing you guys. Talking to see what you guys say. Because they are seeing if something is wrong with your health and why you're feeling the way you are. Much like that, our tongue tells us about our spiritual health as well. Matthew 15, 10 through 11 says, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand what goes what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but this is what's important. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. We'll continue, same uh, chapter, Matthew 15 and 17 through 19, it goes with this. It says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. It comes from our heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, as well as slander. What James is talking about here is your spiritual maturity. Most of James is about that. As I spoke last time, James is telling us what the mature Christian shall look like. And he's being honest. We're ugly inside. We're ugly inside. That's why our heart says these things, these bad words, why we're not acting the way that we should be acting. But the mature Christian can contain their tongue. Maybe not control it, but they can contain it. Next in your notes is this. A true test of a mature Christian is what comes out of his, her mouth. Right after that is in the notes again. Um, it's our words, our words, give us direction in life. For example, we must change the way we speak, change the things that we say. Once you change the things you say out this few ounce tongue, we will then see direction and have direction in our lives. The tongue is extremely powerful. It can be used for good. And it can be used for evil. As Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of what? Life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. For example, if you're always negative and constantly saying negative things, you're going to be a negative person like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Man, for example, I know so many negative people around me. If, they, if you were to give them a million dollars as a gift, these are the type of negative people I'm talking about as a gift. They'd be like, but man, I have to pay taxes, so I really only get 500 G. Only get 500 of it. Man, what I would do for 500 grand. Negative people, they see only the negative in their blessings. A lot of us do that, and it's a shame. We need to change that. We need to change that. Um, next in your notes is how you talk to God. How you talk to others, how you talk to yourself dramatically influences the course of your life. For example, if you are filled with words that are careless, worthless, profane, then this is how your life most likely is going to turn out. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be negative. You're going to be rushed in life and not a happy person. For example, you're getting married at the altar. You say, I do. Your life is about to change. 
If you go in front of your doctor and they say you are cancer-free after fighting for seven years, your life's about to change. It's life-changing. If you go in front of a judge and they say you're innocent, it's life-changing. Vice versa, if they say you're guilty, it's real life-changing. When you say, yes, I will follow Jesus Christ, I will follow Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, it's a life-changing, defining moment. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it not only changes, check this out, it not only changes your direction, but it also changes your destiny and where you're going after you pass from this earth. Like I said earlier, words are powerful, they're impactful. If you speak words of faith, hope, godly words, encouraging words, inspiring words, then his promises, then we can understand when hardship happens, we can honestly believe in Romans 8:28 and rely on it, which says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But I'm here to share with you guys, on the other hand, if you and I speak words of hatred, Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, by using bad words, saying negative words. It's usually because you're upset, you're angry, you're bitter, and hold on to unforgiveness in your heart. And sometimes it's because cursing or talking down to someone else has just become part of your daily routine, just like putting your car into car into drive to drive. So many of us allow our bad habits, our bad mouths, and our sin to take control of our lives right before our very eyes. And sometimes we don't even think we are doing wrong. We don't see that we're doing wrong because it's just a habit. It's just a routine that we do every single day without even thinking sometimes. And sometimes we are too prideful to change our ways, to change the direction of our lives. It's extremely difficult to change the things that come out of our tongues and out of our mouths. In fact, James tells us here that we all have problems controlling what comes from our tongues. But we should be able to contain it once we are a mature follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why I chose this subject. Because I don't think it gets talked about enough. I believe it's something we all struggle with, including myself. I just named two reasons. I know I can name 200 reasons why and where I don't tame my tongue at. But we all have trouble, all here today have trouble taming our tongues. And we have to do a better job with doing so. Because guess what? Our young children look up to us, especially us men, at the head of the household. We need to teach them at a young age what it means to be a God-fearing man or woman of God. You know, so many times, I just feel like saying this, so many times we know what we're doing is wrong. That's why we don't curse in front of the little ones. That's why we don't do things that we want them not to do. We don't want them to curse. So we should not curse. Simple as that. We don't want them to do something. We shouldn't be doing it because we're supposed to be called the godly example to our kids, to our spouses. Next in your notes is the tongue is a beast in your mouth. It's a beast. And it's impossible to control, like I said earlier, your tongue without the Lord's help. Colossians 3.17 is a great reminder. It says, and whatever you do, so whatever we do, 
wherever we are. It says, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. When we put God first in our lives and are mature Christians, like James says, we start saying positive things and replace the curse words with positive, encouraging words, uplifting words, inspiring words, words filled of hope. Words full of encouragement. Words that we could say, Jesus, this should be glorifying to you. Words that are impactful to help build the kingdom of heaven. For us believers and for non-believers, they should see the fruit of the Spirit that we are producing. So next time we want to post something on Facebook, Instagram, you guys know where I'm going here, huh? Or send an email to a friend, co-worker, our spouses, (laughs) we should make sure we would be able to initial the name, check the name of the Lord Jesus, that he would be able to sign off on it because it should be gratifying to Jesus and that he would agree to sign off on it. How many of us don't do this? We don't have to raise our hands. God knows already. Next in your notes, If you can't glorify God or make God happy, don't send it, don't write it, don't say it. (laughs) As followers of Jesus Christ, we're to follow his path, right? As followers of Jesus Christ, we should ask ourselves, does this reflect his love? And will this draw people closer to Christ? Not draw people further away from Christ. Because that's what a lot of us are doing. We are drawing people further away from Christ. Not closer. Not closer. There's a huge reason why we as Christians are hurting non-believers. Because they look up to us. They see us. They see every move. Trust us. Every move we make. They look at us. And they see what we have to offer. And they want no part of it. Because a lot of us, we talk just like them. And a lot of us... Let's be honest, we're backstabbing and we're judgmental people. We must change that now. We need to change that. And when I'm talking about we, I'm included in that sentence. I'm included in that sentence. That's probably the hardest thing is forgiveness for me. A bitter heart. I have a bitter heart sometimes. Those who hurt me and my family. It's the Italian in me. Next in your notes is our words can bring destruction. Our words can bring destruction. James tells us about a spark and a fire in this passage. Just a small spark, as you guys know. For instance, playing with matches. Us men know about playing with matches. And fireworks can destroy a forest. When James is saying what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, the tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the entire body from head to toe, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What James is saying is that your words affect all of our lives, all of our lives, and all the people in our lives, and the tongue can be set on fire by hell. The word that James describes here is Gena. Gena was a small Valley in Jerusalem, 
and considered a garbage dump that smelled so bad. And much like Gienna, our tongues can reflect the same things. It can reflect garbage. It could regurgitate filth. And as you have heard the statement, when you're in an argument to someone, give them hell, the tongue can do that too. It can be used, like I said, for good or for bad. Examples of words that start a fire is our careless words, which are words that have ruined relationships, torn churches apart, destroyed reputations, words without thinking. That's what careless words are. We should always ask the Lord to think before we speak. Contemptuous words. These are words such as angry, hostile words. I wonder how many wives have been verbally abused by these types of words, by their husbands and vice versa. I wonder how many children are cursed out, verbally abused by their parents. These words are like weapons. They cause wounds to our inside. They hurt to the core of our heart. Carnal words, which are fleshy words, filthy words, profane words. And James speaks about both blessings and cursings in this passage Blasphemy words and blaspheming God. Filthy words, potty words, and immoral immoral words. When James says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue, he's talking about it because it's a restless evil full of deadly poison means is this monster in your mouth, this beast in your mouth is ruthless, poisonous, restless. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. But James tells us here that this shouldn't be the case about us. This shouldn't be the case about us. People look at us. People want to know more about the way we talk. The things that come out of our mouth could actually help someone know more about our Lord and Savior? What is coming from your hearts? What are coming from your hearts? Because whatever is coming from your heart comes to your mouth and comes out of your tongue. How are you living for God but showing it differently by our mouths? How are we living for God but showing it differently with our mouths, with our tongues, with the way we say things? The way we say things, the things we say. Next in your notes, Our words display our character. And a lot of times, out of one side of our mouth comes blessings at church, and our blessings, excuse me, and out of the other side of our mouth comes cursing. For example, we could be here at church and we're like, hey, brother, how are you doing today? I hope it's a great one. You too, sister. But then you see them at the parking lot. They cut you off and you say, you jerk. Some other things we say too, don't we? How about we say, oh, great to see you, brother and sisters, and then when we get home, we talk behind their back and we gossip about them. These are things that we're doing, but we should not be doing. But unfortunately, we are fallen. Unfortunately, we are full of sin, but we need to turn that around to be a mature Christian. Um, In fact, um, Job, did you know a lot of people in the Bible, a lot, of people in the Bible could not control their tongue. The first one that I want to talk about is Job. 
Job, who endured great trials and tribulations of many kind, he lost everything. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. But yet in Job uh, 20.12 it says, though evil is sweet in his mouth, and he hides it under his tongue. How about Job 44? It says, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. Another one, which this was interesting when I was writing, was this was um, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said he had unclean lips in Isaiah 6, 5. It says, woe to me. I cried because I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Back then, people had unclean lips, not just now. Not just now. How about Peter who denied Christ three times? I don't know him. I don't know Christ. He lied. Next in your notes is where the problem lies. And why we say the things that we say is because the problem lies within the heart. The problem lies within the heart. For example... The person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. The person with a negative tongue has an anxious heart. The person with an overactive tongue has an unsettling heart. The person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. The person with a critical tongue has a bitter heart. On the flip side, it's always good news to you guys. The person with a compassionate tongue has a loving heart. A person with an encouraging tongue has a happy heart. A person with a truthful tongue has an awesome heart. Next in your notes is the last one. Our words come from our heart. So the only way we can tame our tongues is to get a new heart, for God to get a grip of our heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says it best. It says, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, the only way we can get a new heart and allow God to change these filthy things that come from this few-ounce tongue is to allow transformation to take place and allow the Holy Spirit to get a grip of our hearts and allow Him to change us from the inside out. We need to give God control of our tongue as we can't do this on our own. We can't do this ourselves. We need Jesus. We must use our tongues to magnify Christ and use your words for his glory. I want to end on a few notes. Our son Ryland, back there, he always, every morning, he'll try on daddy's shoes, and obviously they're way too big for him, even though I have small girly feet. Um, but he always tries on daddy's shoes. They're way too big. But as I've been preparing for this message, all I could think about is, that's how I want my spiritual walk to be for Ryland. I want my spiritual walk to be so big for Ryland that my shoes aren't so big to fulfill, but I know Ryland will one day fulfill it. And us as fathers, especially, you mothers too, but us as fathers, we 
have that responsibility as we're called to be the head of the household. We should want our shoes to be very big to fill. Because so many times we say as fathers, don't do what daddy did. But it shouldn't be that way. Do as daddy does. Man, Rylan is such a blessing from the Lord. I can go on and on, but I won't bore you. But this kid has learned about worship. He does this little worship with his hands, worship hands, and he'll rock back and forth. He even points and asks for it. I love this boy so much. He already is a God-fearing man, following daddy's footsteps. Because, guys, you should be confident because God made you fearfully and wonderfully made. Be confident in your skin, on your outward appearance, and start working on your inward You guys, it doesn't matter if I'm in a wheelchair or if I'm walking. I'm confident because I am God's son. You should be confident because you are God's children. You are his sons and you are his daughters. Stop looking for the wrong places to try to fill that void and start going to Christ. Yesterday was something so cool that I was going to share with you. I was speaking at a conference at Redemption HD Church, and it was so awesome in Asperia. And um, I saw this lady as I was sharing my testimony there, and it was so cool. I saw her, this skinny little thing, and she was just crying. And she came up to me afterwards. There, It was outside, so I was really hot. It was a six-hour event, and I was just sweating, right, profusely. But I knew that God was going to move. Um, in fact, I was so nervous. I don't get... I get nervous every time I go to speak, but for some reason, I was more nervous yesterday than ever before. I went to Brittany... Um, and I said, babe, I don't know, but I feel like God's going to do something really big. And he did. There, so right outside uh, where we were, there's a liquor store right across the street. There's a lady by the name of uh, Jamie. She came up to me a- after and she said, Alan, I just heard your voice. I just heard your voice. I was going to go to the liquor store to get drunk, to get drunk. But God put me in here to hear your testimony. And not only do I not want to get drunk today, I'm going to cry, man but I don't want to get drunk anymore. And she stayed. And I exchanged numbers with her. She wasn't here today. I gave her the address and everything, but I pray that Jamie makes it here one day. And I told her that I would use the story. I told her if it's okay, I would use the story. And I feel like today is a place because you never know when your words can impact someone. Your words are important. With that being said, I'm going to call Patrick up and the worship team right now. If you don't mind, um, do a time of invitation. I'll be up in the front if Roy and maybe uh, Frank, if he's here, wants to come up here with me so we could pray. Um, but if you guys are like that lady, going to different things to try to fill your void, but knowing that God still loves, she had a, she had a judge me tattoo because she thought everyone was judging her. I said, no one judges you. No one's judging you. We all love you because we tend to judge people so much. But love on people. Love on people. If you are here today and you're like myself and you know that we all have bad mouths, we all have bad tongues, and you want to change that today, I want to pray with you. I want the elders and the leaders to pray with you. If it's something else that you need prayer requests for, please come up to the front. I'd love to pray with you. If you're like Jamie and, oh, man, you don't know Jesus, or you maybe you've known about him, but you're not walking with him, or you're not where you want to be today, Come up to the front and you know that you want to make Jesus front and center of your life. Come up today. It would be so cool if someone would want to make that commitment of faith and get baptized. 
Because guess what? We serve a God so big and faithful, I know that he could do the impossible because we have a God who makes the impossible possible. And that's why I'm a father to our son, Rylan, when doctor said, there's no way, there's no how you could be a father. We have a healthy young boy who I adore back there so much. I'll meet you guys down front. I'll leave this Italian feisty tongue down here because I can go on and on. But I love you guys. I love this church. May we all walk in faith. Fight the good fight. Let's pray for Dane and the kids to come back safely and return, even recharge and rejuvenate more for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. And let's pray right now, if you don't mind, actually. Lord, we just come before you, and we thank you for another day of life. We thank you for being our heavenly Father, Lord. Lord, teach us, disciple us, Lord, how to be more like you each and every day. Let us be a father like you, Lord. Let us know that you love us when maybe no one else loves us or it feels like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. But we know that you love us. You adore us. There's nothing that you give us that we can't handle, Father God, because it says that I can do all things through Christ who loves me. Lord, we trust you. We thank you. And we love you. Lord, would you break any addiction here of any kind, Lord? That means our tongues too, Father God. Any addiction to pornography to lust, marriage warfare, to arachnoiditis, Lord, if it's meant to be that you would heal me, Lord, that you could heal us. Lord, that you would heal our spiritual walk, that we could be more like you all days of our lives. Every single day, Lord, when hardship comes our way, that we say, you know what, devil, you have no place here. It has already been defeated and victorious because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And raising three days later. You may try to attack us, devil. But Lord, we know when we have you in our heart. And we are walking with you and you alone. That you defeated the devil. And that, as Zach Williams says in his song, fear is a liar. There is no place for it here, Lord. There is no room for it, Lord. Because you conquered it. You defeated it. And we love you. And we trust you. And we thank you. For this day and every day forward and all the days of our lives because you paid the ultimate sacrifice so we could be in heaven with you. But Lord, as we're here on earth, that we would be willing vessels and servants and serve you in a way where people look up to us so we could provide hope and encouragement. So we say, Lord, we direct you, we direct these people who are sinners and fallen, Lord, to you and say the strength and the joy and the happiness, it comes from Jesus. You want to know more about him? You want to know more about him? God bless. We say this on your precious, powerful name. Amen.